Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, book lovers. My name is M, and I want to talk about books and cats. book lovers. So the podcast is back. I had an amazing week of rest and recuperation, and I'm really happy to be back. I had every intention of reading a ton and writing daily while I was on vacation, but honestly, I mostly just sat on the porch and listened to the stream rushing by below me. It was honestly the most relaxing thing, and I don't regret a moment of it. So I didn't write at all, and I read very little. The book I was reading over break, and that I'm still reading because this one really needs to be read slowly, is The Fifth Agreement, which is the updated version of The Four Agreements. I don't know if I'll end up covering this one on the podcast. It was suggested by my therapist, so maybe I'll revive Self-Care Saturday for it. This book really feels more like an experience, and I think that different people will pick up on different things. I feel like it can benefit everybody, but in different ways. It's very much about who you are on the inside. I found it to be profoundly impactful so far, and I'll definitely be rereading it. I would suggest that you check it out. But that is not today's book. Today's book is The Maidens by Alex Michaelides. This is his second book. Um, The first one was The Silent Patient, which I absolutely loved. And honestly, that's why I chose this one. I didn't even really read the description. I just was like, oh, he wrote The Silent Patient. I'll definitely read this. I had very high hopes for the second one, and I was pleasantly surprised. This book was fabulous. It begins with Mariana, a woman who has been a widow for a year and is still in the throes of grief. She leads group therapies and has one rather difficult participant named Henry, who has begun appearing outside her home. She then receives a call from her niece Zoe, who she took in when Zoe's parents, Mariana's older sister and her husband, were killed in a car accident. Zoe is now in college at Cambridge, the same place where Mariana met her beloved and now deceased husband, Sebastian. One of Zoe's friends has been murdered, and Mariana rushes to be with her niece. The girl is understandably shaken, but Mariana senses something is going on. There is a certain professor, Professor Edward Fosca, who teaches Greek tragedy and has a special group of beautiful young women who are his best students and whom he has nicknamed the Maidens. There is something about Professor Fosca that rubs Mariana the wrong way, and she is immediately suspicious. While she is still there, another young woman is murdered, and both of the girls were members of the Maidens. Mariana begins to piece together the clues, and the picture becomes terrifying and dangerous. While her focus remains on Professor Fosca, the web grows, and there are many potential suspects. Mariana runs into a former classmate and colleague who is a bit cold, but is involved with working on the murder cases. 
There's also a few suspiciously curious employees of the college, and a young man named Fred who claims to have slight psychic powers. The story weaves in the poetry of Tennyson, Greek tragedies, especially the work of Euripides, theater, academia, and psychology. It is a story of broken children and the results of trauma. This book has so many things that fascinate me, and it was an absolutely captivating story. I couldn't put it down. I didn't put it down. I read it all in one sitting. (laughs) And it was one of those times where, like, you just don't experience time. Like, I don't think I took a break until I was probably two-thirds of the way through the book, and then I was like, wow, I have read a lot, (laughs) and it's been three hours, you know? (laughs) And I really have to pee. Anyway, couldn't put it down. I highly recommend The Maidens by Alex Michaelides. It is absolutely amazing. And if you haven't read his first book, The Silent Patient, I highly recommend that one too. So now I'm going to take a quick break, and then I will be back to talk about my cats. Welcome back, book lovers. So I don't know if I have ever felt as loved as I did when we got back from our vacation. Our pets were so incredibly happy to see us. For a while, I was walking around the house and I had Ed Weird on one side and Moo on the other. They just wouldn't leave my side. They followed me everywhere I went. Some people that I talked to before vacation kind of assumed that my cats would give us attitude for leaving them. And I have had those type of cats in the past, but these guys were just so excited and so lovey. They just were happy that we were home. And they are just the best. Even Sassers, who insisted on sleeping right next to my face and glued herself to me when I stumbled to the bathroom at two in the morning. Um, she's still a love. <laughs> my pets are honestly what I miss most while I'm on vacation, and I'm always happy to go home and see them. I'm usually happy to go home anyway because I like my house, but it just makes me want to go home that much more, knowing that they're here and probably confused about why we're leaving. I think especially Sasser's like didn't take it super well because um, she's young and pretty new. She also had us around for the last year, like solidly. So she's pretty attached, but all's good now. <laughs> anyway, now it's time for the quote of the week. And I only have one this week. I saw this, I think, on Instagram, and I just really liked it. And then I didn't bother to look for any more quotes. This quote is from Anna Quindlin, and it is, Books are the plane and the train and the road. They are the destination and the journey. They are home. And I just love that. I thought that was pretty perfect. Um, So that's it for this episode, book lovers. It is so great to be back. And if you want to check out all things books and cats, go to booksandcatspod.com. That's books, the letter N, catspod.com. And make sure you stick around after the music for a new chapter of my weekly writing project, Heart of the Storm. It's getting really good, and I think we're close to the end. But who knows? (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy the show, please spread the word. And until next time, keep reading.
Thanks for sticking around, book lovers. And now, here's chapter 27 of Heart of the Storm. Wake up, you idiot. Manx opened his eyes slowly. The light was too bright and it hurt his head. He tried to lift his hands to his temples, but they were restrained. He groaned. He knew exactly where he was. He sensed Thea standing beside him. The woman had been a great beauty, and at the time she oozed a certain enticing energy. He could always feel her presence before he saw her. Back then his heart had raced at the mention of her. She had been his muse. She had inspired his greatest creations. Now Manx wondered if he had actually just been used. Thea still radiated a strong presence, but since returning, she gave off a much more repellent vibe. She was pure rage and nothing more. All of her softness had been stolen in death. Manx shuddered. He was just glad she hadn't ended up like Mina and those other horrid creatures, ancient monsters of death and absolute destruction. Of course Thea would make sure to protect herself from that. His wife was the very definition of vain. She popped into view and he let out a small squeak. That made Thea laugh. It took a moment, but then she exploded in wild laughter. Tears filled her eyes and she shook her head. You are such a weak man. She vanished from view. Manx felt a tightness in his chest. Rage. He envisioned what he would do to her if his arms were free. It was satisfyingly gruesome. He heard her moving away from him. Where are you going? He hated the timidness of his voice. Thea laughed again. The lights went out. The room was entirely black. What's the matter, Manx? Are you afraid of the dark? The door opened and a slight light cut through the room. Then the door slammed shut and he was alone in the dark. Manx tried to wiggle his toes. His feet were numb and he could barely feel them. The bindings on his legs were too tight. He wiggled his shoulders. The bands holding his arms were a little looser. Probably not loose enough, though. The table was bolted to the floor. He had made sure there was no way it could be tipped over. This was his first truly great invention. This table was inescapable. A soft scraping sound near his head made him try to turn, but his head remained in place. Sometimes he was... too creative. Hello? He said quietly. His voice was a barely audible whisper. He listened intently to the heavy silence. Nothing. He was just beginning to relax when he heard it again. It was closer this time. Thea? He asked breathlessly. His chest felt constricted. He couldn't breathe. He needed to move. His face was cold and clammy. Not exactly, said a voice. It had once belonged to a woman, but now it was torn up and crushed by the ravages of death and unending life. It had once been a voice he loved. Mina? Not anymore, the voice rasped. She was close now, 
He could feel her. The parts he loved were still there. The other parts were sickening and repellent. He wanted to run away. No more running, Manxie, the voice attempted to purr. He had loved to hear her call him that. Now it assaulted his ears and made him want to scream. She laughed, and the sound cut him in a hundred places. He wanted to break free. He needed to move. He needed to thrash himself off this table and away from the noise. Why all of them, Manxie? The voice sounded disappointed. Was I not enough? She touched him then. One long, shiny black talon pierced the skin of his forearm and drew a long red scratch up his arm. Her touch was like fire. Manx screamed. He didn't care anymore. It was too much. He had no dignity left. Her long, grotesque face leaned in close. She smelled putrid, and Manx tried his best to avoid looking at her. She wouldn't let him, though. She smiled and looked him in the eye. You should have left them alone, she hissed. He would have nodded if he could. He agreed with her wholeheartedly. But he couldn't speak. He was afraid to inhale the air in her vicinity. She gave off something that felt evil and poisonous. The hideous creature who had once been the love of his life placed her long, disgusting claw in the middle of his forehead. Her touch burned, but he refused to cry out this time. Then she applied pressure, and he began screaming for his life. Francie stood beside Harper, and they gazed up at the smooth rock face towering before them. The girls had made quick work of getting there, but now they were at an impasse. The stone was smooth, without a tiny crack for a handhold, let alone a trail to accommodate Harper's chair. Harper examined every inch of the smooth granite wall. She searched desperately for a plan. She felt a growing sense of urgency. She had to get to that cave. Well, Francie said uncertainly, what now? There was nothing they could do. Going back through the forest wasn't an option. Harper refused, and the trees terrified Francie. They were even stronger out here along the rock wall and their energy felt even more sinister. It had affected Harper. Something changed in her, and being near these trees made her angrier and much more cutting and vicious. Francie felt sick when she thought about the situation she now found herself in. None of her options were good. Even if they could scale the wall, she would then have to enter the caves, a true manifestation of her nightmares. It was a hopeless situation. As the girls stared at the wall, a shadow passed across the rock. It darted around and landed in physical form at the base of the wall. Maz stood slowly, unfolding their impressive height and towering over the girls. A small smile played on their lips as they stood and examined the girls. Not bad, ladies. I'm impressed you made it this far without another... incident... Maz cast a meaningful glance at Harper's new wooden and wheeled body. Harper glared back defiantly, but she didn't speak. Maz cracked their knuckles and locked eyes with Harper. Francie was momentarily forgotten, 
and it irritated her. I am curious why you came this way. Haven't you heard the stories? Harper didn't blink. She didn't respond. Maz's smile wavered slightly. Well. Harper broke eye contact and looked up at the cave mouth high above. I haven't, actually. You sent me to live with basic witches after you sacrificed my mother. Maz's eyes glowed with a bright green fire, but it was a brief flare. Their smile returned. Lottie chose your parents, and you must admit she chose well. She did, Harper agreed. Her parents had been kind and loved her as best they could love something they feared and could never understand. But who chose my mother as the sacrifice? Francie's head snapped up. She locked eyes with Maz, who was grinning from ear to ear. Your friend's mother. Both of her parents, actually. My sisters shared the same man without knowing. And they each bore a daughter. What about you, Maz? Harper's glare could cut through glass, and even Maz seemed to shrink a little under its power. I took what I needed, but I didn't make one. I made an army. That shocked both girls, and they exchanged an astonished look. That made Maz laugh out loud. Want to see? The girls moved in unison, but Harper nodded while Francie shook her head no. She had a feeling she knew where Maz's children would be. Maz held out a hand to each girl. Take my hand and hold on, they said. Oh, and this is going to hurt. Harper grabbed on and Maz snatched Francie's hand. The pain was instant and excruciating. Francie wanted to scream, but she was merely particles now, and shadows couldn't scream. They swiftly climbed the wall and reformed as whole beings again at the mouth of the cave. They stood on a small lip of rock in front of the cave. Beyond the wall, the blackness was complete and impenetrable. Maz gestured with their arm to the frightful darkness. This way, ladies. As Harper rolled forward, Francie tried to stop her. She tried to reach out, but her body was frozen in place. She tried to speak, but her lips would not move. She could only move her eyes, and when they met Maz's gaze, their eyes were glowing with bright, verdant flames. Francie felt the rage boiling up inside of her, she was so tired of being a puppet. What were any of them fighting for? This was their mother's war. Her skin was growing painfully hot. She felt a tingle. The magic holding her in place was bubbling on the surface of her skin, and it tickled a little. Maz cast another look at her before disappearing into the darkness. The expression on their face was quizzical now. Worry furrowed their brow. Harper rolled into the dark without casting a look back. Francie felt even more rage bubbling up inside. The magic holding her was weakening. The more she focused on her anger, the faster the magic burned away. Already she could wiggle her fingers and toes. When she broke free, she would have to make a choice. Turn and run back to the poisonous forest and abandon Harper to her fate or plunge into the pitch-black darkness of her nightmares. 
At the moment, she had no idea which one she would choose. And that is the end of chapter 27, book lovers. I hope you're still enjoying my weekly writing project, Heart of the Storm. And again, if you're enjoying the show, please tell your friends. Until next time, keep reading.